Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at when you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated, evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Whenever I'm talking about behavior, something that I like to touch on a lot is that we always need to remember that our students are someone's baby. They're someone's whole world and their mom and dad want, of course, the best for them. And we have to always keep that in the back of our head when we're getting into different situations about behavior change. And since I have, you know, a family now with my own kids, it's been interesting to see the parallels between parenting challenges and teaching challenges, because a lot of those same struggles are there, whether you are the parent or whether you are the teacher. So I was really excited to talk to Leanne Page, who's a BCBA of Parenting with ABA. So she has a website, parentingwithaba.org, where she shares all kinds of strategies related to applied behavior analysis that you can utilize with your own kids in your house. So personally and selfishly, I was very excited to talk to her because I have talked about, you know, my struggles with my toddler and I am really passionate about utilizing ABA in all settings. So I was excited to hear her perspectives about simple ways to utilize these concepts in your household. And whether you are a parent or a teacher, there are so many great tidbits in this episode because the way that Leanne explains different strategies and how to apply them are so readily applicable to the classroom as well as the household. She's all about a positive-based approach, which I love. She's all about antecedent interventions and skill building. So, so many great things here. Her analogy that she uses to explain bribery and reinforcement is just so dead on and you all need to be using it with your paraprofessionals because it illustrates that concept perfectly. Um, Leanne has written a book, Parenting with Science, which I will link in the show notes if you want to learn more because I know you will want to. Let's jump right in. Hi, Leanne. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm really excited to learn a lot from you as a parent also for myself. Um, So let's jump right in. Can you tell everyone a little bit about Parenting with ABA, what it is and how you got started doing this? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a behavior analyst also, and I was a special ed teacher um, before I became a BCBA. So similar backgrounds to you and a lot of your listeners, I'm sure. Um, But when I had my firstborn, I have two little girls, almost five and two. So we have a very loud, very busy household. (laughs) And when I had my firstborn, I became a stay-at-home mom. 
and I joined a mom's group, which I think everybody should find a supportive group, find your tribe, find your people to support you on this parenthood journey for sure. And so I loved this mothers of preschoolers group that I went to. They supported me so much. Um, but these moms that I really looked up to as mentors would talk about discipline and disciplining their older children. And they would say things like, I can't take anything else away. I've taken away all their privileges or I've taken away all their toys. And we go to timeout all the time or some would even talk about spankings and the behavior analyst in me died a little inside every time (laughs) I heard these things. And I was so conflicted because these were such wonderful moms and I looked up to them and I realized they just don't know any better No one has taught them the science of behavior. I went to grad school for it. Of course I know it. I've done it for years with kids with severe problem behaviors. Um, So that's how Parenting with ABA came to be. I started blogging about it and just writing quick little easy-to-consume articles for busy moms because I know parents don't have time to go back to grad school like we did. Um, and that, that's where it came from. And then the blog became a book and now it's turned into courses and a membership and really my whole mission to just help parents. Let's save some of our sanity with behavior analysis. Love it. Love it. So how do you explain since like most of, you know, people you're working with are parents that don't have a background in ABA when they ask you, you know, what does parenting with ABA mean? What is your answer for that? The answer is really just taking the science of behavior and making these principles of behavior consumable for parents. So sharing positive behavior supports and easy to use strategies. Parents don't need um, a a graduate degree and we don't need to be doing data collection and FBAs and these things that teachers and behavior analysts need to be doing, but we can use the interventions and supports that are proven by science. And so it's just about let's choose to spend our time using evidence-based practices as parents instead of reading every parenting book and blog and article under the sun that's someone's opinion. None of it's my opinion. It's just science. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's like such a powerful statement right there. Yes. I wish it was my opinion. I wish these were my (laughs) ideas, but they're not. (laughs) Well, it's so overwhelming. You're right. You know, like what you were saying, from a parent's perspective, you go on Amazon, you're like, I need a parenting book and you search and there's hundreds and hundreds of parenting books that all have conflicting advice as well. So it's hard to even know which, whose opinion to follow. Yes. And there's so many parenting experts out there. Cause I've read a ton as a mom. I, I seek this stuff out too. I, we all get to that point of what am I going to do? Um, and we want to do what's best for our kids. And I openly say I am not a parenting expert. I don't know how anyone can call themselves a parenting expert, honestly, because parenting is different for all of us, even day to day. It's been different Absolutely. for one person. So I'm a behavior analyst. That's what I am. I'll teach you about some ABA. Yeah, love that. I mean, I'm, I am with you. Like one, I'm obviously like very passionate about you know, educating children with autism, but really my other passion is disseminating ABA and demystifying it and making sense of something that honestly, a lot of people do have either negative stereotypes or inaccurate ideas about. And I'm sure you run into that a lot. What are some common misconceptions that you hear about ABA that, you know, you try to debunk? So the biggest one, especially when it comes to parenting is the word bribery. Everything that I share is about positive behavior supports and positive reinforcement. And everybody confuses positive reinforcement and bribery. And the easiest way to explain it is just with an example. And so with my own children, they were younger and we would go to the grocery store on the way there. I would go over the expected behaviors. You know, you're going to sit in the cart and you're going to walk and stay near me, whatever it is. And guess what? In my purse, I have a dumb, dumb lollipop for each of you. And in the checkout line while I'm paying, you may have it if you meet all of these criteria that we go over. And so that's positive reinforcement. That's a plan. They know what the expected behaviors are. And along the way, they might need a little prompting like, hey, you're getting a little loud. Remember that lollipop in my purse? The opposite of that would be, I don't tell them anything. We go to the grocery store. The wheels fall off. I've got a kid laying on the floor at Kroger, you know, just bananas. We get to the checkout line. They're screaming and crying, and I give them a lollipop to get them to be quiet. And then the screaming stops. That's bribery. 
That's totally different. I have bribed them to stop engaging in a problem behavior. And really, I've reinforced the screaming and the tantrums (laughs) uh, and caused more problems. And so I did not bribe them if I tell them ahead of time what the plan is and what they can earn for following the plan. And that's the difference. Bribery, if you look at the definition in the dictionary, which I have because I hear this all the time, is about corruption and is intentionally doing something to um, harm someone, whether it's their reputation or harm something. And so if I am rewarding a tantrum, then I am causing harm. That's true. And if I am planning ahead of time and let's talk about what's expected and here's what we do and here's your reward, you earned it, what did you do to earn this? That's not harming, that's teaching and that's building up. Yeah, that's that's a great example that highlights that. And you can see why a lot of parents and teachers for sure are like unintentional bribers. You know, no one's like waking up Monday morning, like I'm going to bribe my kids. But you can see how you get stuck in the moment. And that poor mom is like, oh my gosh, I just got to buy my dang gallon of milk. Let's just power through this. Take the lollipop. Yeah, exactly. It serves a purpose and it, it reinforces us that the kid got quiet and that's why we keep doing it. Yes. That's why parents do it. Cause it does work to get your your needs met, you can check out at the grocery store, but it doesn't teach your kids what to do. It doesn't build up desired behaviors in the future. Yes, absolutely. That was like a light bulb moment. I I shared a blog post, maybe it was like 10 episodes ago. I don't remember the name of it, but it's called, I don't negotiate except that I do. And you know, I'm a BCBA special ed teacher. Like I have my, I have my master's, like I should be good at this. And man, my toddler was just winning like every day. Like she didn't, I would like put my foot down on something, but then she would have a meltdown and she would leave her daycare with like, you know, a snack and a stuffed animal and her home baby and her blanket. Like she got all the things she just won because we negotiated. And I had this light bulb moment of this, like these conflicting contingencies, like that was reinforcing for my behavior in that moment. Cause it ended the tantrum and we got to go to daycare but for her, it reinforced her tantrums and she kept doing it. So it's like a little, it, it's competing because for the parent, you just wanted to end in the moment, but you don't realize you're like making life harder for yourself coming up. And that's exactly what it is. And as parents, it's not like we're in a vacuum and we can just sit here and let's look at the contingencies happening. No, you have 400 other yeah. things going on at the same time. And so we can't be too hard on ourselves when that happens for sure. And always kind of step back later and go, okay, this isn't working. And that's what I say to my kids all the time when we get into those habits and those patterns, this isn't working. Okay, now let's stop and reflect on it and think what we could do better next time. Yeah, it's that reflection piece I think that's missing a lot. Absolutely. We're not always going to be perfect. Well, one misconception that I thought about with ABA that I know you've talked about on your website a lot is is punishment is that every, you know, I hear a lot like, oh, I don't believe in ABA because I don't want to do like all, you know, punishment. And I don't, I don't feel okay about that as a teacher or parent. Um, do you hear a lot about that? Like misconceptions with, um, ABA being punishment focused? Absolutely. And unfortunately our science has gotten there from a, a long history. That's not always the best, but I think now as you and I are both trying to spread the word <laughs> along with lots of good people in our field, um, you will never, ever hear me recommending punishment. Punishment has a time and a place, but as a blanket intervention, that's not appropriate for behavior analysts to even be talking about. There are so many, so many, so many good things we can do to build up the desired behaviors. And that's so much of what I I try to share with parents is that if we're building up the good stuff, we're building up those desired behaviors, there's not room anymore for the bad stuff. It just goes away really technically we could talk about how we're not reinforcing it anymore and we're putting it on extinction and all these things. But in parenting terms, build up the good stuff and there's not room for the bad stuff anymore. So we don't have to punish it to make it go away. We replace it with the good stuff we want to see more of. Love that. I mean, that's so applicable to teachers too. I mean, that yes. that's the same thing in the classroom. Absolutely. It's the exact same thing. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do you sell parents on this that are a little bit stuck in their ways? Because I think all of us, you know, we we fall into a rut on the way we do something. How do you kind of sell that, you know, flipping your mind, your your frame of mind on that? That is the million dollar question. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. How, How much do time we do you get got? people to do this with us? How do we get them on board? Because we know that it works. And really, I think the best way is to just give examples and have success. And even when I was a classroom teacher, I felt that that was the best way to get people on board is to have a success story. So as a teacher, you know, I had one really, really hard student my very first year of teaching. Once we got his problem behaviors under control and got him successful, my whole program was welcomed into the school. And so with parenting, it's the exact same thing. If I can share, and I share um, stories of my own self all the time, um, but other people that I've helped, if they'll share their success stories and we can just show we have done it. We do it over and over again because we'll turn things positive and then we you know, kind of fall into bad patterns and we turn it again. And sharing that success and having those success stories, I think is really the only way is to keep telling our stories and show there is a better way. Let me show you. Let me tell you exactly how I did it let me let person over here tell you exactly how they did it. And we, you know, kind of start that, um, the ball rolling and gain some momentum as we go. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and you, you, you talk about this on, on your website a lot and it's kind of of a common theme, which I like, and you just mentioned this, but this idea of turning it around, you know, we've all been there, you know, you have that like bad morning and like everything your child or your students doing is frustrating you to a point that it shouldn't be, you know, one of those kind of mornings. And what's your advice for not letting that bad morning turn into the bad day? I think that we've got to turn it positive. It's kind of the phrase I use all the time. And when we find ourselves there, we have to notice that we're there first of all, which yeah. normally my attitude will tell everyone in my family where I'm at, <laughs> you know, we have to notice and then have some triggers some cues to kind of reset. And whether that's we turn on a happy song and we blast it and we have loud music. I do that in the car a lot. If I can just get my children strapped into their car seats <laughs> and get moving and then I can crank up the music, I know we'll be fine. Um, which my husband, sometimes it's hard for him. I'm like, just put them in the car, just put them in the car. Because <laughs> once we're there, I know we can turn it around with certain songs and music and that sort of thing. Um, I heard somebody speak once a million years ago, so I don't remember who to give this credit to, but they would um, rewind and like back out of the room physically and make like oh, sounds. Yeah. Kids, kids think that is probably, hilarious, by the way. I don't know if they even know what a rewind is, <laughs> like true. what we're copying. <laughs> they think we're crazy, you know, rewind. Let, you know what? Let's rewind. Let's start <laughs> over. You know, actually doing something as the cue that we're starting over, that we're going to turn things back around. If you have a positive reinforcement system in place, like we use a sticker chart on my phone, an app that has little stickers that my kids, I'll be like, you know what? We haven't earned any stickers. We need to start over and we're going to get some stickers now. And I might reinforce um, lower levels of behavior than I normally would just to try to get that momentum started, to get things kickstarted and into gear again. But I think having an actual cue a thing that works for you, being silly, being ridiculous, music, dancing is huge for my family, games, um, that sort of thing. Have a plan for when it happens because it's going to happen. We're going to have bad mornings, bad afternoons, whatever it is. So what's that reset button going to look like for your family? Yeah. And that's a great cue for your kids too, like, or a teacher's students that, Hey guys, we all got to switch it up. 
yeah, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> this is not working. Yeah, Again, this is, I was, not working. this is not working. Let's let's jam it out with some music and a dance party and start over. Yeah, start and o- that and physical movement too for teachers and parents alone, like adding in um, some activity, can really help just shake us up a little bit and get started on the right foot. And kids need that opportunity to start over too. Because if we can have bad mornings, our kids can have bad mornings, and they need a chance to just like, you know what? We're not going to hold any grudges. We don't need to like say sorry like that's kind of one of my like personal pet peeves is the like no you got to come here and you got to like really say sorry for this and mean it and like the adult is holding the grudge and like the kid has moved on but the adult is the one staying with it um so that chance to kind of drop it and just carry on yeah you're modeling a really important life skill of you can adjust your attitude you can change your behavior in a moment with some cue that works for you. You're modeling something great for them. Yeah. I'm sure we all know some adults that could use that training. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure people would say that about me someday. (laughs) You're like, just put some loud music on and we'll (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned using a sticker chart with your girls. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. I love token economies, which I say are sticker charts or reward charts that actually work. (laughs) Um, It's not just the chart. It's not just um, the puffball jar. We have one of those too. But having a structured reinforcement system gives you as a parent something to kind of lean on as a support. Um, It exists. It's there. You can use it as you need it. So when you start a new one, if you're starting from scratch here, um, I always say pick one to three behaviors. It is not everything under the sun. It is not being good. Yeah. Be good. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> it's whatever is bothering you right now, which honestly, if I was just work on it today, when my kids get home from preschool, it'll probably be whining. Um, and so I won't say don't whine. I'll say, let's use our nice voices. You know, what can they do? What matters today? And then we start with the bar low making sure they can achieve it. So three stickers, five stickers, and then they get to exchange it for a reward of some sort. And that doesn't have to be toys. You don't have to go buy stuff. It can be time spent doing a special activity. It can mean maybe you put their favorite toys up high and they earn them. They earn time with that favorite activity, Um, whatever it is. We do a lot of outings as the reward, um, special over the top things going out for ice cream is one that my husband and I support. Cause then we get to eat <laughs> ice cream too. <laughs> We're like, Don't y'all want to pick an ice cream shop? Trip? <laughs> um, things like that as the reward and you start small and then you have that to lean on. So it's not constantly feeling like, Oh, thank you for playing nicely with your sister. You both get candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not then you're, you're, and you're teaching that you also don't get reinforcement or praise after every good time you do something. You just get it sometimes. And it's um, a lot of parents will say, you know, well, they should be intrinsically motivated to do these things. That's another um, thing that I hear a lot from parents. And really, this is how we teach that motivation. I'm not always motivated to go to work every day, but that paycheck is your motivation. (laughs) That is a token that you use in the economy. It is a token economy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's teaching them real world reinforcement that you can get it sometimes. And having that um, system, like we have right now the the sticker app on my phone or we'll do a Puffball jar, gives you the freedom when they're having a really great day to give them a million stickers. Go over the top with it. Um, And don't take them away. That's something, too, that I always want to tell parents. Don't take the reward away. Don't give them a puff ball. Five minutes later, they start arguing you take it away. Because then why would I care? Why would I even try to earn a puff ball if she's just going to take it away? Yes. I think so often, you know, we let these systems kind of go amok. And, like, our kids land up at rock bottom. And, like, that's what I always tell teachers. And, like, I was actually telling my husband this the other night about our daughter. But when you're at rock bottom, like, you have no reason to do anything great. Like you, you've already lost everything. So you might as well just act not the rest of the time because you have no, you know, nothing left to lose and nothing left to work for. And if we let our kids get in that situation, we're we're all kind of screwed. <laughs> and everybody's miserable. <laughs> yes, everyone's miserable. So besides, you know, taking away tokens, what are some other kind of missteps you see people? take with reward charts? Because I know these are hugely popular with parents and with teachers. And if you kind of mess it up, like you're saying, it doesn't work. So what are some common missteps you see? I think a big one is setting the bar too high. Mm -hmm. 
you have to do it all day long. Well, if your children are little like yours and mine both are, that is not happening. No matter what the target behavior (laughs) is, they cannot go all day. And so starting where they're at, um, if they can go five minutes playing nicely together and that's what you want to work on, then they need to be rewarded at five minutes, not 20 you know, starting where they're at and building that up, making sure they can achieve it. Um, I've had so many mom friends even just recently say, well, you know, so-and-so can earn the iPad, but they haven't had it in three weeks. (laughs) Okay. So your reward system isn't working and we need to start over. Why aren't they earning it? Because they can't get to even just one sticker. Okay. So we need to lower the bar for what equals a sticker and then we can raise it slowly. We'll get there. It's not that I'm saying forever five minutes earns a sticker, but we need to start small and give them that taste of success. Let them earn that reward that they're motivated to try to go for six minutes tomorrow, to go for seven minutes. And making it gradually, we're shaping up that behavior um, and not starting at the top where they're never going to get it. And you're both just spinning your wheels. Yeah, you got to get the buy-in. I, I agree. That's what's missing so often is like they've never, like if you never get to go to the treasure chest, like you're never going to know how great it is. So you have to get that buy-in right away or else, you know, we're using something arbitrary, a sticker, a tally, and it's not going to just naturally mean you're amazing. This is great. It takes time to develop those items as reinforcers. Yes, exactly. And one other issue that I've I've recently talked to a good mom friend actually about was the child didn't quite know what to do to get Mm -hmm. the sticker. And she's done these before. She's a great mom. But she was saying, I realize now after we're talking about it is that he doesn't even know what I'm looking for. We haven't really made that clear to him. And so, you know, choose one to three target behaviors, but tell your kid, tell them very clearly, very to the point. We're not talking a lecture. We're anti-lectures here at Parenting with ABA. Get to the point. I need you to share. When you share, you get a sticker. You know, it's just a one sentence. Yes. And then they know what the expectations are. Yeah. And I agree on that one to three behaviors because actually we were at Target recently and in the dollar spot, which now everything's like $3 in there, by the way, which is annoying. (laughs) And in the dollar spot and my daughter had grabbed it and it was, it was like a pre-made sticker chart. And I was like, oh, that's cool that they have this there, but it had like 15 behaviors on there. And I was like, we're not getting this, honey. First of all, like you can't read and cause you're three (laughs) and there's 15 things. And it was like kind of being, you know, marketed as like a toddlery little kid thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't remember. 15 appropriate things that I want you to do. Like, how are you going to remember this? Yeah. And I like to use, um, broad terms so that I can use the same term and then define it in the moment. So talking nicely is Mm -hmm. something you will hear in my house all the time. And so sometimes that means a a volume issue. (laughs) It often means a volume issue in my family, or it means, um, using your words instead of grabbing toys. And so, you know, I can tweak it to the situation, okay, right now we need to work on talking nicely, which means ask for a turn. Mm. Right now we need to work on talking nicely, which means quiet voices because daddy's working from home today, which good good luck to him when he does that, you know, (laughs) these sorts of things. And so using these terms that are not be quiet, stop doing that, stop, stop, stop. They know talking nicely and then I can tweak it as we go so I don't have to, you know, throw out the whole system and we have to come up with new target behaviors and things. Yeah, the focus on what you should do instead of what you shouldn't do is so important. Like I hear, you know, parent friends that I have too all the time like, don't do this, don't do this. I'm like, do they know what they should be doing instead? Like we can't just guess like. And that's everything. That's that perspective shift. That's everything. And even if they do know what they should be doing in that moment, there is something in their world that is preventing them from choosing to do it right then. Yeah. Meaning the problem behavior is more reinforcing. Yeah. And so you're you're competing against that other contingency that's causing them to have problem behavior. So yes, they know what to do. You've gone over it, but the motivation is missing. And so tell them again, remind them, prompt them instead of getting mad and frustrated. You know what to do and you should have done this and that. Well, remind them of what to do and remind them of what they can earn for doing it instead of the the negative frustrated side of things. That's everything right there. What you just said, that switch in perspective. 
you use like two phrases in there that I literally use all the time. I think teachers, I always say this, well, he knows. And they always say it like that. (laughs) And then the should. The should is like my pet peeve in life. And I catch myself doing it. But like, he should know how to walk down the hall. He should know how to get his backpack. He should know how to do this. I'm like, cool. I agree with you. He should. But he's not doing it. So our job's (laughs) not over. Like, you don't like wipe your hands and be like, well... He should have done it the right way and he didn't. So I guess I'll go watch Real Housewives and, you know, whatever, (laughs) chill out. But, you know, we have to approach, and I say this to teachers a lot, but for parents too, like, it's part of what you have to teach them. Like, that means they need instruction on what to do. Mm -hmm. And using the positive reinforcement is part of that instruction. It's not just a reward system. It's not just, I'm, you know, happy fun. Here's your stickers. Here's your trinkets from the dollar spot. Yeah. that's the teaching. That's yeah. how we teach them to do those behaviors more it's often. how we and learn everything. Like it's not, you know, that's how we learn to read. At some point our behaviors are reinforced and our correct answers are reinforced. Like it's, it's a teaching tool. But yeah, that connotation with bribery I think sometimes puts people off a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, sorry, I like had two ideas and I'm trying to pick <laughs> which one to go with. Um, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit and thinking about, cause I think all of this parenting, parenting stuff applies exactly to the classroom and the way that you're talking about ABA and all of this, like applies so well to teachers. Cause I think that that's how I explain ABA as well as like in regular non-technical language. So yes. a lot of teachers, as you know, as a former special ed teacher, there's paraprofessionals in your class and I'm sure you have lots of conversations with parents, how you train the other parent. So Mm -hmm. what are your tips for like spouse training or team training? Like if one parent's all in or if the teacher's all in, how do you get your team on board with this? I think the easiest way is to have a structured system like a token economy instead of just a general idea that we're going to praise more and catch them being good, which are very good things. But to get a team on board, your spouse, other child care givers in your life, um, your paraprofessionals, is to have a system in place and to say, these are the target behaviors. The same as you need to define it clearly for your child, your spouse, your partner, your team needs to know what those are too. So if you only have one person on board, if the mom, in my example, I'm not saying it's always mom, (laughs) if the mom is running the show with this kind of stuff and, you know, sets up this whole system and doesn't sit down to review it with the dad or the other caregivers in the world, you're not going to have the success because the child's learning only to behave for the mom. Mm -hmm. So if you sit down and create a plan, these are the priority behaviors right now. Well, talk to your spouse, talk to your partner about it, hopefully before you implement it with your kid, because (laughs) that could be a little insulting to the other adults that they weren't consulted. But having a system in place and modeling for them, okay, hey, now's a good time for a sticker. Or I'll just even say it in front of my kids, hey, I think daddy wanted to give you a sticker (laughs) on my phone. And he's like, I sure did, which, you know, it might not have ever crossed his mind. Um, But modeling it for them, And getting that success, once you have one success, then you get more buy-in. So as much prompting and modeling as you have to do for the adults is the exact same as for the kids. So getting them on board by showing them and giving them some successes. That's a great suggestion. That's actually, that's something I struggle with a lot because we talk about parenting a lot that sometimes in the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. we get in this like, well, should we give attention now? Should we not? And then we're like kind of arguing. And then, you know, my child's like, all right, cool. I'll do whatever I want. They're not paying attention (laughs) to me. But that's, if there's a system, it's less discussion based. It's more like, yeah, it'd be a good idea to give a, you know, a sticker now. Um, that's just like the system kind of, um, it's a system. The rule is you do this, this, the sticker chart says you need to do that. It kind of takes the argument out with your kids. It, it takes the argument and discussion out with your spouse too. You have that before you start the system and you get on the same page. But in that moment, there's not time. There's not room for discussion. It's either they get the reward or they don't. And so it's, hey, we should reward them right now. Why don't you give them the the puff ball this time? Why don't you give them the puzzle piece, the penny, whatever it is? Yeah. It's more objective. It's not like in a, oh, this is what I think. It's like, nope, this was, these were the rules that we all made together. Yeah. Having that structure there takes away um, room for argument with your kid or with your team that you're working with. 
So can you talk a little bit about like the successes you've had with your own kids, like using things like a sticker chart and that do they, obviously it works well, you know, for them. (laughs) It works great in my household. Um, it works great. I have found that when we've getting these ugly patterns. Um, and it was probably a month ago or so I, my almost five-year-old, we were arguing a lot and I was just frustrated with her and it would get to the point where it was bedtime. And my husband and I would be like, you got to put her to bed tonight. It wasn't, I want to put her to bed tonight, which I'm sad to openly admit this. Um, we um, are in the sad. exact same situation. You know, <laughs> it should be a happy thing. And so I just sat down with my daughter and I said, I don't like this do you like this? And she's like, no. So you're in trouble all the time. We're not having any fun. I don't want to take you on outings because I don't know how you're going to act. And she and I together made a plan. And I said, what do you need to work on? And she needed to work on obeying or I don't even remember what it was. That wasn't that great news that I don't remember exactly what the target behavior was. And I said, well, what does mommy need to work on? And I let her, you know, talk about how I needed to not get upset with her. And we started a new, um, reward system. And we've done them for a while because her mom's a behavior analyst. So I was like, <laughs> do you want a sticker piece of paper? Do you want the puffball jar? Do you want me to cut up a picture or make a puzzle? And she wanted my phone because that's reinforcing in and of itself having the phone app. And we made her an app on the phone and she got to choose her reward. And within, you know, hours, it was a reset button for us. And this had been days and weeks of just frustration and pulling our hair out and I was just annoyed by everything. And that was all it took. And within hours, she and I were getting along better. I was happier. My whole attitude, you know, it feels like a weight is lifted off you when you're done with this. Okay, why was I so frustrated and mad all the time? And we moved on with our life. And that's with a five-year-old. I mean, when people say like, oh, this, I can't do this. I mean, that's, she's young. And that like, you know, she had buy-in, she had ideas, she had a say, like, that's great. Yeah. One of my favorite examples that I share when I get to speak to mom's groups um, is using the pre-MAC principle, which I know a lot of your teachers probably do with the first then. And my daughter was 19 months old. I just had the one. And we tagged along on a work trip with my husband. And we went to Denver. And I took her to the Denver Zoo by myself, (laughs) which 19 months old, you know, (laughs) she's a little runaround toddler. And so we get to the first exhibit. We went to the tigers. This is all very vivid in my memory because it was a little bit traumatizing. So we go to the tigers and then I try to put her back in her little stroller to go to the next thing. And she throws the biggest meltdown of her life. And we're at the zoo and we're in front of all these people and I cannot get her back in the stroller. She is flailing and I'm, you know, trying to strong arm her as unfortunately too many of us have done, you know, trying to block her into the (laughs) stroller and strap her in. I'm sweating, embarrassed, bright red. I'm ready to get on a plane and go home to Dallas. Like I'm done. I cannot do this. This was not, I, I took on too much. I can't travel by myself with her. And then I stopped and I said, what do you want? And at 19 months old, she was able to point and say, walk. And I said, okay, first ride, then walk. And the kids sat down quietly in her stroller. Oh my and it was gosh. because we used first then, and she knew that I would give her the then. She knew that we did this all the time. First, get in your car seat, then I'll give you your toy. First, eat your food, then you can have your treat. You know, she knew that that then was the reward, the reinforcer was coming. And she sat down and we had an awesome rest of our trip. I mean, I was ready to like get on an airplane. Don't you wish you had like video of that moment to like show? I wish. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also, it's a great point that you make that she knew that you would follow through. So if you're going to use these strategies, you know, token economies and schedules and Um, things like that, you have to follow through because or else our kids are going to have a history of learning of, hey, mom says first then, but it really doesn't mean first then. Yes. It means she doesn't give me the good stuff when she promises, but it also means that um, a lot of moms do idle threats. I'm going to take away all your toys. I'm going to take away this or that. And so I don't really need to believe anything mom says. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, she told me Christmas wasn't going to happen. And guess what? Christmas still happened. So (laughs) (laughs) So bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One selfish personal question for my own parenting. What are your bedtime techniques? Because when you said like (laughs) we were arguing over bedtime, that is like we do every other night for my toddler who puts her to bed. And it's like a yes, it's not my night, which is sad. Like I should have been there. (laughs) Bedtime has been our struggle 
forever. <laughs> I actually have a little ebook about it with um, a bunch of different behavioral strategies outlined for parents. But I will link that in the show notes. Will you send me the link for that? I will for sure. Um, it's just finding that right combination of reinforcement. And for my daughter, a lot of it was, well, I'm going to use my FOMO, totally not behavioral, but fear of missing <laughs> out. She doesn't want to go to bed because she wants to keep having fun. Yep. That is my child. And so our, I think the most effective thing was some non-contingent reinforcement, meaning before bedtime, some direct one-on-one time together. And I still do that before rest time. She doesn't nap anymore, but we have quiet time because mommy needs to rest (laughs) (laughs) my brain. Um, Having even five minutes where we do something together that's not part of the routine. It's not we're brushing teeth and getting ready for bed. And even reading bedtime stories was not enough. But before we even get to the bedroom, we'll sit and color together. We'll do a puzzle together, something calm-ish. We'll play a board game together now that she's older. And getting that attention, it's the, the whole fill her bucket, fill her with attention right now. We get all this quality time, and then she can transition to bedtime because she's got it. She's had all that attention. Her little bucket is full, and that helps a ton Bedtime is hard because how do you reward it immediately? You can't until the next morning. And so it's finding something in the morning to serve as a reward for going to bed nicely the night before that's worth it. And also just asking my kid what she wanted. What do you want? We would have, you can earn a show in the morning. You can earn, you know, your token economy. You can earn this and that. And at one time when we were going through a hard patch of it, she said she wanted to eat a picnic for breakfast. (laughs) So I was like, we're going to a park. Like what is happening here? And she wanted to get out the picnic blanket, the like outdoor blanket out of the closet and lay it on the living room floor and eat there. And that solved her problems for a while, which is insane. I never would have figured that out if I hadn't just said, what do you want to earn? And giving them the say in that and trying to find a good enough reinforcer. That is the hardest part about bedtime because it's not immediate. It's the next day. Mm But giving them a reward in the morning for a good bedtime and making it good, whatever good is for your kid. It might be something totally off the wall and easy, thank goodness, is what mine came up with, but whatever it takes. Yeah, that's and you know what? It's a great point that you make that we don't we don't know what our kids' reinforcers are. I I talk a lot about this, you know, because I'll get an email. Can you give me a list of some great reinforcers? I'm like, nope, because I'm not your sure student. <laughs> like, like an iPad isn't innately a reinforcer. Like Cheetos aren't innately a reinforcer. A lot of kids like those, but you know, it's so important to think like the reinforcers are going to be different for every single person. So we should be asking our kids more what they want because they're the only ones that know what will reinforce their behavior. And even when they're little or even when they're lower level students, like you don't think maybe they'll come up with a good answer. They very well may. Mm -hmm. So give them a chance to say, and if they can't come up, start giving them choices and involve them in that choosing a reinforcer. And it'll probably work a lot better than whatever I was offering that was not working. Yes. And okay, last, I just thought of one more question I need about my parenting. I'm, like, oh, I'm going to start emailing you like, oh my God, my daughter did this. Um, so transitioning from a preferred activity to a non-preferred, like we're doing, you know, a fun game and we have to go eat dinner or we're watching a movie and we have to, you know, wrap up because we have to go to leave to grandpa's house. Um, tips for that, because that's our current other big struggle. The biggest one is giving yourself lots of time. When I first went from having one to two children, one of my best girlfriends said, when you need to leave the house, you need to be ready yourself one hour before you want to walk out the door. And I was like, you are insane. (laughs) And now I tell that to friends who go from one to two or two to three is remember when you need to go somewhere, you need to have yourself ready if you're actually going to do your hair and makeup and whatnot (laughs) an hour before, because it very well may take an hour to get out the door. And so with those transitions, when we get in a hurry, because we're busy and life is busy, then there's not time to guide your child through it. It's just a stop, let's go. And that's not going to work for little kids. So giving ourselves as much time as possible to give, okay, five more minutes, three more minutes, two more minutes, one more minute kind of thing. And if you have some sort of reinforcement system in place that you can use first, clean up the toys, then you get whatever the reward is and your kid knows you're going to give the then 
you have that support to lean on. So having just a general positive behavior support going on in your home, even if it's just the language of first then, and the then is a high five, you know what, they might clean up to get that high five. Yeah, or yeah. having a reward system of, you know what, when we get in the car, then you can listen to the podcast. You can choose a story to listen to or the music, you know, having these rewards just kind of built in throughout, but giving yourself a lot of time to make that transition slow <laughs> and gradual. Because again, if it's going from like super highly preferred, like screen time yeah. to put your shoes on and go to the bathroom because we're leaving, that's a, that's an abrupt switch. So if we can go from, okay, we're going to turn the TV off 20 minutes before we need to leave. And then we can have some sort of peaceful time together and slowly <laughs> get our yeah, shoes making off. it more gradual. That's a really great point. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm in a hurry, then I feel frazzled and they totally know that and feed off of that. And then everybody's frazzled. And then yes, and you're like just... sweating. You're like, why did I put my coat on so early? Like that's how yes. I'm like always a mess. Then like I did look, I did get myself ready the hour before. And now I look crazy, but, um, yeah, I, the time is, is key. You're right. Cause it, when you're rushed, nothing goes well and you're losing things and you're mad at yourself. And inevitably, once someone has their coat on, then they have to go to the bathroom and all that fun stuff. Or they have to change their outfit because sister chose a different pair of pants and they both need to match. And that was us this morning trying to get to preschool. And I was like, you were fully clothed yeah. a minute ago and now you're just wearing underwear. That is literally <laughs> the worst. Like that actually that happened with us. Similar happened with us this morning. Audrey had her shoes on and then my husband came down with another pair of shoes. And I like, could have punched him in the face. I'm like, why are you bringing more shoes down here? We already have shoes on. And he's, she's like, oh, well, I want those shoes. I'm like, yes. but we have shoes on. And it's the time too. It's not like they can quickly change one shoe to the other. Oh, and no. it's not a big deal. It's I have to do it myself and, yes. you know, make those mistakes. And yeah. But, you know, I always like tell myself, as I'm sure you do, like, you know, the wanting to do it yourself and the, you know, advocating for like, choices and having opinions mm -hmm. like those are such great life skills to have even though they're frustrating you know yes. on, a, on a Thursday morning <laughs> and making sure your, your kids know and openly telling them is that sometimes you get to choose and sometimes you mommy chooses for you and that goes with clothing in my house with two daughters but with other things too it's like sometimes we have time for you to do that and I will let you as much as possible but sometimes mommy does it Yes. And just telling them that openly. I think a lot of parents don't communicate that clearly with your kiddos. You just do it. And we try to let our kids have independence as much as possible. But tell them, I want you to learn to do this by yourself. But right now, we don't have time. Yeah. So you can do it later. Yes. D Dr. Greg Hanley talks a lot about teaching delay and denial. And that was like a big light bulb moment I had when I saw him talk a few years ago. But mm -hmm. that when you request something, sometimes I'll tell you yes. Sometimes I'll tell you you have to wait and sometimes I tell you no because you don't always get everything you ask for. And like that's something I try to do a lot. Like sometimes when you ask for something, cool, yeah, we can watch a show this morning. Other times, nope, we can't. And you have to accept. It's like teaching the skill of accepting no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And telling them that outright is sometimes the answer is no, but not always. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always <laughs> going to be no. Oh my gosh, Leanne, this was such a great conversation. I feel like I learned so much. I feel like revitalized oh. a parent. <laughs> and I, I really like um, speaking to mom's groups or doing these sorts of things because I'm like, oh, I need to fix this and that. It's not like any of us are doing a perfect job. Oh yeah, I no mean, one has it It's impossible, but it's good. And I always tell people, and hopefully from this podcast, to find one thing that resonates with you and that you can do, whether that's, I'm just going to start saying first then, or I'm just going to clearly communicate the expectations with my kid. We don't need to do everything as parents. You don't need to get your graduate degree and do everything. Pick one thing to yeah. make things more positive in your home and go from there and see the snowball effect because it will happen. And we know it will happen because the research tells us that it will not just because I say that it will, and then it does for me, but we're standing on this foundation of behavior analysis. It's not just, oh, let's try it. Oh, love that. Well, I hope everyone shares the one thing they pick to do because that's, you know, one thing will give you a bang for your buck versus trying 20 things halfway. If you yeah. go kind of all in on one, you know, simple, you know, achievable strategy, it will have an, an impact. And um, can you remind us how, what is the best way to learn more from you, your website, your yeah. book? Yeah, parentingwithaba.org. Okay, great. So there's a blog on there with a ton of great resources and articles from other people besides me. Um, and I have other options. You can take little courses. You can join our membership if you want to do this ongoing and get support. Um, there's book. There's 
all kinds of different mediums just to help you wherever you are. Let's just all shift our perspective and try to turn it positive together. Awesome. Thank you so much, Leanne. Thank you. Whether you are a parent, a teacher, or both, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. There was a ton of great information here. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please click subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And if you got some great value out of it, go ahead and leave some feedback or a rating. That really helps make sure that other teachers and parents can find these podcast episodes easily as well. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.